so I'm sitting here, Nathan Lentz, nice enough to give me a little more time because I want to talk about some of the design flaws, which is essentially what your book is about. And there's some really interesting ones, uh, including, you know, we like to think that we have great eyesight. You know, we're a very visual, um, you know, very visual species. You know, we, most, of, most of our isms are all based on, uh, are based on sight, which makes little to no sense to me. Um, but we rely on it. It's but it can possibly be arguable one of our worst traits, you know, from an from an evolutionary standpoint and from a functional standpoint, um, which is why it's so weird that we rely on it so much. But not only that, it's our eyeball is is designed backwards um, with a <laughs> hole in the middle. Um, it's just when you start looking at how it's designed, it's just amazing we rely on this so much. So tell me a little bit about this. Right. So when the the way that the vertebrate uh, retina, so this is a flaw we share with all vertebrates. When it first developed, it was basically just an eye spot uh, on the on the outside uh, of the of the organism, and and it sort of sort of pushed inwards. The word we use for that is invaginated, and invaginated, invaginated, invaginated. And, and you can imagine that the, once you have like an inward cup, lots of advantages there because it concentrates the mm-hmm, light and you, mm-hmm. can, you can create the images and all of this. Well, what we never really got – and it, this, again, it could have been a flip of the coin here. Um, it could have oriented the right way. But what we did was we never reoriented the, um, the photoreceptor cells towards the light. So they are actually pointing backwards away from the light. And then we built the, re- the retina slowly evolved around that structure. So literally the photons that go into your eye have to pass through a layer of blood vessels and tissue before they hit the photoreceptors. Then they hit the photoreceptors and that makes them a little bit less sensitive. Now in the octopus who developed the exact same kind of eye, but did it separately, the cephalopods, um, they did it. They did flip it around in the correct orientation. And so in their retina, the light comes in and hits directly at the photoreceptors and the blood vessels and other tissues are behind that it makes much more sense. It's called the verted or just regular correct orientation. And that's why they're much better at seeing. They're much better than right. seeing uh, in, in dim light in sort of murky waters, dim light. Um, than fish are because fish are vertebrates. They have our kind of retina. So just right off the bat, you have that. And that causes other problems too. It, um, it, it makes a retinal detachment more common. It creates a blind spot in both eyes the, what they called the optic disc. Uh, there, there's a number of, number of disadvantages. But, but as we said earlier, it's just so hard to fix that because you would need a whole redesign, a whole mm-hmm. rearrange. And there's no way that random mutations here and there would accomplish that. Um, but we've made the best of it and we've accomplished other things. One thing that we have evolved, if you are a fish in dark waters or if you're a nocturnal mammal, we, d- we evolved a separate structure behind the le- le- retina called the tapeta lucidum. I'm sorry, the tapeta lucidum. And what that is, is it bounces light back forward. So it gives the light a second chance to hit those photoreceptors. So if it misses the retina or it re- misses the photoreceptors and it hits that little mirror in the back, and bounce it forwards. And you've all seen this anytime you've seen an animal with eye shine. Mm. So if you shine a light at your cat's eye and it bounces back at you, that's what you're seeing is an adapted structure that sort of, okay, so the retina is backwards. <laughs> There's no way we can pack in the photoreceptors to catch everything. But what we can do is create a mirror in the back that'll help us get every last photon uh, in dim light. Got it. So 
Yeah, so we've done the best with it. We have other problems with our eye too, and I assume you want to talk about some of those. I mean, um, we we don't have the best vision. We don't. Our right. color vision's pretty. Our color vision's pretty good, but our distance vision isn't so good. Mm. But one thing I didn't I didn't say in the book, and um, I probably will expand this section in future editions, is the reason our vision is so bad actually is a recent artifact of our lo- of our living style of living so much of our lives indoors, especially mm. as child especially as children. So they've done the studies now, and it's a pretty direct correlation between the time you spend indoors and the likelihood of needing glasses later in life. Because uh-huh. while the eyeballs are still glowing, or glowing, excuse me, it, while the, <laughs> the eyeballs are still growing, yeah. um, if they're only concentrating at mid and short distances, they don't grow to the correct length to be good at, at seeing long distances. So if you want your children... Uh, to not have to wear eyeglasses, get them outside for as many hours of a, as a week as you can. I think the studies I've seen is 10 to 14 hours a week is enough. Less wow. than that, they're they're probably going to need eyeglasses. Wow, that's incredible. I mean, in, one of the things, just to give a visual that I thought was great in the book, is you talk about it's equivalent of like having a microphone and holding it upside down and talking into it. You know, like right. That's, that, that's for the retina. Right. Yeah, right. For the yeah. Retina. That's, that's the that's the perfect example of it. And so you and, and, and the reason I like that analogy is it still works mm-hmm. as long as the microphone is sensitive enough and you're yelling loud enough. Right. <laughs> it, it will it will pick up. Uh, but it's just like what the easier arrangement, you know, would have would have been the other way around. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. And and one of the other ones, you know, as you talked about, like as it evolved, it kind of like had to make make do this this one. Like I can't get this one out of my head like this is this is arguably i would say one of the dumbest um flaws and and this is in mammals not just in in human beings but that's the rln nerve as a matter of fact in, uh-huh. in humans it's it's you know l- l- there's a limited stupidity to it but when you start looking at giraffes um it's incredibly mm-hmm. dumb so exp- explain this to me right so the recurrent laryngeal nerve um, leaves the, it, it's it's one of your uh, cranial nerves and it leaves the the brain and it goes to the uh, larynx, the voice box. And you would think it would make a nice, easy trip. It doesn't have to be more than a few centimeters. Um, but in fact, actually, it dives, it goes down along the tract of the vagus nerve, down your spinal cord into about the middle of your chest. And that's when it exits the vagus tract and heads back up the, the neck into your throat to make that. So it makes this loop de loop. And the reason why it does that is it's intertwined with the great vessels of the heart, which, are, which is the aorta. So it's, it actually loops around part of the aorta because uh, it gets stuck there during embryonic development. And the reason why is that this, er- this nerve is ancient. It goes all the way back to fish. And fish, to where their brain is, to where the larynx, which is the gill- larynx came from the gills, mm-hmm. was a straight shot. It was a nice straight shot. And they don't and the, and the heart was sort of they don't, they don't have they didn't have the same kind of heart that we have, but it was right there in the middle. So the head, the heart, the gills was sort of all there in the same place. So it was a nice straight shot. But then as we de- as as uh, tetrapods developed a true neck, a true chest, and everything sort of so the heart started to leave the area of the brain. Basically, the blood vessels of the heart grabbed that nerve with them and pulled them down. And there was no simple way uh, during embryonic development to to untwine them. But what's, what's funny is there's a different nerve that the superior laryngeal nerve that goes, that does do the straight shot. It leaves your brain and goes right to the larynx. So we were able to untangle one of the nerves, but not the other one. <laughs> That's unbelievable. And I mean, the examples you give, I mean, the giraffes one, the ostrich, uh, you know, it has to travel about three meters or 10 feet. 
Um, and even yeah. dinosaurs, the Brachiosaurus, it was 15 feet or something like that. Yeah, of course, the, the, the nerves don't fossilize, so we can only speculate about this. Right. But uh, every other vertebrate, uh, and so there's no reason to think they didn't have this. Every, every vertebrate has the recurrent laryngeal nerve uh, that loops around the heart. So they have dissected it in giraffes and ostriches, and any long-necked animal will have this. Um, and lots of animals that are related to dinosaurs and so forth. So there's, we can only assume that the dinosaurs had this too. And the Brachiosaurus, yeah, it would have been, what, 10, 12 meters long in both directions. <laughs> right, <laughs> Making right. this loop to loop. <laughs> and it's one of these things where it's a flaw in the sense of it's bad engineering, but it doesn't really cause any problems. Um, and that's why evolution didn't have that much pressure to fix it. Mm-hmm. So that also, it, that, that sort of shows how evolution works. Like selection r- responds to pressure. Um, and if there's not a lot of pressure, it just won't get fixed. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is pressure now in a sense. I mean, it's it's not really going to change much. But when you have open heart surgery, this is one of many things that the thoracic surgeon has to watch out for. Because if he accidentally clips your nerve, uh, you're going to lose your powers of speech. You'll have to wow. relearn. They'll have to you'll have to relearn how to speak. Uh, and you'll never speak the same way again because you'll be reliant on only the other nerve. So. Um, it is something we have to be careful of, but, but heart surgery is sort of a new thing. So nature right. really wasn't doing that, that kind of thing before. Wow. That, that is, I didn't know that. That's, that's crazy. Um, and yeah. so one other thing I want to get to, uh, because uh-huh. you also talk about diets and how our diets have evolved and we used to get, you know, I didn't, I would always think about this, but you really, you know, explained it extraordinarily well. You know, I give my dog the same food every single day or she's able to make you know all the different vitamins minerals that she needs to to survive we don't do that at all we have to have an extraordinarily diverse diet getting our minerals and in, in from from and vitamins from all over the place the most confusing of which is calcium it's 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 extraordinarily important it makes up our our literal infrastructure um, but but we we don't get it we can't absorb it very well we can't absorb it without vitamin D uh, which vitamin D requires a process. We need to have processed vitamin D in order to, to <laughs> process calcium. Both of those things we don't get a lot of. Uh, t- tell me about that. This is this is this is crazy to me. Yeah. Well, it's it's very baroque is the nicest way to say it. Sure. Um, <laughs> our our the the biochemical activation of some of these micronutrients, all the work that we have to do to absorb it, and, and it really is absorption more often than not. That's the problem. Um, so there's not a lot of like calcium, for example, why we get so bad at absorbing it. I, I don't even, I don't even think there are ideas about what causes this other mm-hmm. than just bad luck because, um, we absorb it pretty well as infants. And then, um, by middle age, uh, you're absorbing less than half. Um, and then by older age, you're absorbing, you're lucky if you get 10, 20% of the calcium. And so that's why they push calcium, 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 because mm-hmm. you're only getting 10% of it. So you need to take a lot to try to boost whatever you can and make sure you're getting the vitamin D and make sure you don't take iron at the same time as the calcium right, right, because right. then because they compete with each other. And so, yeah, I mean, you have to do all this work when most other animals don't have any of these issues. Now, the this is somewhat speculation, but it does sort of fit the fossil record. What we know is that um, a very large time in our past, we were what was called foragers. Um, meaning we ate whatever we could get. We had a varied diet, but it was also a very nutritious diet. Sub-Saharan Africa, before the retreat of the rainforest. So we became savanna folks, you know, out in the savanna. Mm -hmm. But before that, we were rainforest, and that's most of our ancestry is in the rainforest. And the rainforest, think of it as a giant salad bowl. I mean, there's tons of very nutritious 
uh, organism, and, and whether it's insects and fruits and vegetables and roots and tubers and worms, and there's just lots of good things to eat. And so if you're constantly serving up a rich variety of lots of nutritious food, mm-hmm. your own body gets pretty lazy. Um, right. and, and that's a theme of evolution too, is, is if you don't really use it, you will lose it just, just because we get lazy because random mutations slowly start to degrade functions that aren't maintained by selection. And so when you're serving up all this nice vitamin C, for example, right in your diet, well, then you just stop making it yourself because why spend the extra t- you know, time and energy to do that? That's kind of an analogy. That's not exactly how it works, but that's basically right. – and vitamin B12 is the example I always give too. Vitamin B12 is known very well to vegans because it's like the only micronutrient that you simply have to supplement if you're a vegan. You cannot get this from – uh, plant sources. It's only animal sources will give you vitamin B12. Um, but if you'll notice, there's plenty of herbivore animals like cow, all the, all the animals that we eat, <laughs> like, like cows, for example, mm. they don't need to eat meat. They're vegetarians. And right. so what, how come they don't have this trouble with vitamin B12? Well, it turns out that vitamin B12 is made for them by a bacterium in their large intestine and they absorb it for them. So it's kind of like a symbiosis where uh, they get some free food, but they give them vitamin B12 in exchange. We're like, well, why don't we have that bacteria? Well, it turns out we do. We have the same bacteria. Why doesn't it make B12? It does. So we have vitamin B12 being made for us right in our large intestine, but we don't absorb it there. We only absorb it in the small intestine, mm-hmm. which which comes first in the flow. Right, right. So think about how stupid that is. You have to supplement vitamin B12 even though there's plenty of it in your gut. It's just in the wrong place. So all this vitamin B12 that's being made for us, we send it to the toilet instead of absorbing it. Right. And, and no one's going to go – although I did I did uh, a whole thing on fecal uh, – for one of my other podcasts, fecal transplants and, and fecal milkshakes. No one wants to go mm-hmm. and eat their own poo to get the B12, and nor I think that that's a little asking a lot of people. Um, but it's uh, there. It is, uh, but the study has been done. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's there. Human feces, human feces is a source uh, – a rich, not a rich source, but a, a source of vitamin B12. <laughs> so if you get really desperate yeah. uh, for B12, you could go that way. Um, fecal transplantation actually to bring this – conversation totally full, full circle yeah. to the microbiome, um, I think has an enormous potential because what we're finding is the ecosystem of living things inside us, especially in our gut, um, really does affect our health in ways that we just couldn't have imagined uh, mm-hmm. prior. So I think that there's a lot of diseases, including psychological diseases, uh, but certainly metabolic diseases. Um, we're going to see that the microbiome and tweaking the microbiome back into a healthy state is going to is going to help a lot with with diabetes, with obesity, um, even with depression, anxiety. There 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 seems to be a, an effect on the microbes. So um, that's what's so great about science. Like there's just every there's just so much more to disco- to discover everywhere we look. No, it's incredible. And and honestly, if people really want to be a true vegan, and a lot of them, you know, they're they're pretty militaristic. You know what you got to do now if you want that B12. Uh, don't supplement, <laughs> you know, you know what you got to yeah. do. Um, well, luckily we, li- we live in a world where it can be synthesized so they sure. can, they can get it that way. That's and actually I, I shouldn't say you can't get it from plants. You can't get it from plants in a, in a dietary form, but you can, but chemists can extract it from plants and then prepare it in a way that we can absorb. So yeah, it's not true. Vegan. I'm saying <laughs> yeah. if you want to do the real thing, <laughs> vegans, you know what you yeah. got to do now. Um, well, well now you're is... talking like paleo, right. paleo <laughs> vegan or something. Like... Right, right. You got to do it right, though, man. You got to, you got to do it. Right. It's organic vegan. 
so I, I, this is absolutely incredible. Thanks for sitting down with me for an extra ten minutes. This is this is a fascinating su- subject, and we've literally scratched the surface. I think we got ten pages into the book, um, so there's two hundred well, more I, for everyone to read. We, we don't want to cover all of it, or else they'd have no reason to buy the book. <laughs> exactly, you, exactly. Um, go out there, get it, um, learn all this stuff. Nathan, thank you so much for this. I appreciate it.